Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the On Meaningful Work podcast. I am your host Rahul Sones and we're recording. Today I have a very special episode. Uh, it's special because I get to talk with one of my best friends, uh, Dr. Hayden Richards. Thanks for having me, Rahul. After uh, quite an adventure this afternoon, we're finally sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> I've known Hayden for close to 25 years now. Uh, so this was a good chance to really dig deep and also learn some things about Hayden that uh, I had uh, not known before. Uh, Hayden is an emergency physician uh, who's also now kind of ventured into the brave new world of entrepreneurship. He started a company called Comms Lab, looking at teaching people, especially doctors and those working in the medical community, more about having empathic conversations. So this was a great chat. I had a lot of fun. And so without further ado, here is Dr. Hayden Richards. Let's start again. <laughs> Dr. Hayden Richards, welcome to the On Meaningful Work podcast. Thank you, Rahul. It's great to be here. Yeah. I think that's the first time you've ever called me doctor. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. who was that? You know, what's weird thinking about talking to you today mm. is that we've known each other 25 years now. Wow. Yeah. I think I was minus six years old when we met. You- <laughs> <laughs> You've aged well. Yeah, I know. Thank you. <laughs> You're looking great for 19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, um, yeah. And I think it's fair to say that we've been quite good friends over the, over the course of 25 years. Quite good. You know, (laughs) all right. (laughs) Uh, you're definitely in, in my top three. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Thanks buddy. Um, but, 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 but I think the reason why I wanted to have you on and have this conversation is I, I think firstly, you're someone I've always I suppose, respected from the time I've known you because you're one of the few people that always had a good head on their shoulders. And I think now what I've really come to respect is this new direction that you've taken because you have you have an established career as a doctor, but um, I, I suppose you've been bitten by an entrepreneurial bug. and And I suppose, yeah, that's what I want to explore. Yeah, great. I'd be. I'd love to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so maybe let, let's let's start at the top. Like, where were you from? Where were where you born? am I from? Yeah. Well, I was born in Wellington, Wellington, New Zealand. Yeah. There you go. And I spent the first year of my life in a little spot called Lower Hut, which is just down the road from Wellington. It's actually where my brother has moved back to now. So. Yeah. Shout out to Justin. Hey, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, little Lower Hut, and I was there for about probably less than a year of my of, of my life and then we moved to Australia mm-hmm. myself and my parents yeah uh, did you leave Justin behind or? no no <laughs> <laughs> although in retrospect if we'd been faced with that decision it probably would have been a good one but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but fortunately for him he wasn't actually born yet so so you moved to Queensland we moved yeah. to Queensland, yeah, yeah, from New Zealand. Very different. We moved to the Gold Coast from New Zealand. Very wow. different. That would yeah. have been, yeah, like a whole different kind of view of the world almost. You know? yeah. yeah. I I remember it distinctly. Um, 
No, I don't. I was only 10 months old. (laughs) 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 But no, no. The the honest fact is that like in a sense, we, we moved and we moved a little piece of New Zealand with us because our little nuclear family... Hmm. Um, you know, I think now again, an exception for my brother here, but we are essentially a family of introverts. My mm-hmm. brother is definitely not an introvert, but mm-hmm. like we were, um, we, 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 we went hugely social, you know, mum hmm. dad had a small group of friends. We'd hung out with them a little bit, but we spent a lot of time just with ourselves, like just, mm-hmm. just the family. And, you know, Justin was born 18 months after me. Mm-hmm. He was born in Queensland. And we grew up very much spending most of our time just with each other, our, our small family of, of four people. Mm-hmm. And we would watch the rugby together. And we always backed for the All Blacks, mm-hmm. even though we, even though Justin was born in Queensland and we grew, I basically grew up in Queensland. I mean, mm. basically Australian. Mm-hmm. But it was such a strong... Uh, it was like our little house was that little sort of, you know, satellite of New Zealand almost. Mm. Yeah. It really did feel that way. Yeah. Wow. And, um, and so you obviously began schooling in, in Queensland in, in on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what were you like in school? Uh, I was the most pathologically shy quiet withdrawn person you'd ever imagine i wow. think okay. yeah yeah um it's funny i um i took my daughter to gymnastics class this week it was the first time mm-hmm. we we'd been to gymnastics she desperately wanted to do gymnastics she's seven mm-hmm. so she's in grade one and took her to gymnastics and she had to go run out with all the girls onto the mat. And we were sort of behind these glass windows. Hmm. And I saw her run out and she was with maybe 40 or 50 girls out there. Hmm. And they all lined up. Some of them had done it before. Some of it was new. Mm-hmm. And they, the, 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 the coach or the teacher told them they had to do something. Hmm. And all of the... Um, other girls just ran off and there was maybe like three or four little girls. And then and my daughter was one of those little girls and they just mm. sort of stood there not knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. And then one of those ran off and then there was three of them. Mm-hmm. And then one of those ran off and there was two. And then the other one ran off and then my little girl was left standing there. Mm. And I just saw her and she her hands come up over her face and she had her shoes in it. She, put it, she was trying to hide behind her shoes and I could see she was just trying not to cry hmm. and like my, <laughs> my my heart literally just broke you know watching hmm. that happen and I, I got out of my chair ran out to check on her and um by the time I got there with the coach had caught up with her and mm-hmm. and got her back playing out with all the other girls and as soon as she was out there she was fine she was great mm-hmm. The thing, I mean, the reason why I'm telling this story is that feeling of her frozen in fright and not knowing what to do and surrounded by just people who seem to be having fun. Mm-hmm. That was the feeling of my of, of much of my childhood. Mm. Not at home, like I had a wonderful home, mm-hmm. but outside of home, um, at school, mm-hmm. kindergarten, a lot of school that was how I felt all the time. 
Mm-hmm. It's what, it was wonderful to see her once she broke out and once she actually got into playing with the other kids. It was fine. She was out there mm-hmm. and she was into it. But I'd, I'd, I reckon I'd made that breakthrough when I was maybe... 22? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Yeah. Well, I no. mean, what t- when did we meet? We, how old were we when we met? Probably 19. Yeah. We were 19. Yeah. I'm telling you, like it was around, that was, that was the, around the time mm. when I was just starting to just work life out, you know? Mm. Starting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I suppose like I can definitely relate because... I suppose the, the term introvert, extrovert has been bandied about quite a bit and I didn't mm. really understand it until I read the book Quiet by Susan Cain. I don't know if you've... I've, I've read parts of that book and I've read a good summary of it as well. And yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I suppose as, as a kid, being an introvert, what did you withdraw to? Good question. Mm. I withdraw mostly... I, I used to draw... I used to draw a lot. Hmm. Yeah. I used to make things. Loved making things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to draw things. I remember um, my parents put on a birthday party for me. I reckon I was maybe like four, mm-hmm. maybe five or six. And a bunch of kids came over and <laughs> I was just scared shitless. <laughs> and I already remember spending my birthday party sitting at, we used to have this plastic green uh, table and little mm. two, two little plastic chairs, and I would just, I sat at the chair and I drew dinosaurs like during my own birthday party. Um, wow! Yeah, I was mm. just just freaked out by. Mm. I just had enormous social anxiety. Mm-hmm. I think as a child. Yeah, mm. yeah, and. Um, and I suppose that was so. That's placing you at around six or seven years old. Mm. But then I suppose as you grew older, going to secondary school and so on, what did that introversion still stay with you? And did you? Yeah, it definitely did. Mm. But I worked out something. I worked out that I could get people to respect me mm. by being good at stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And for me at that time, the shortest route to getting social currency of any form mm. was through the respect that came with people thinking, oh, wow, that's amazing, or mm-hmm. wow, he's good at that, or things mm. like that. And so when I look back, I still can't say for sure, was that, is that the driver f- that made me just want to really achieve and mm-hmm. do really well at lots of as many things as I possibly could, you know, mm-hmm. was that the driver? I don't know. Was it something more innate? I don't know, but it certainly seems to, I certainly feel like there was a moment when it clicked for me. Um, I think, you know, maybe in grade two or something, I made this model of the planets of the solar system. Mm-hmm. I remember how, impressed all the other kids were and i was like ah you know Mm -hmm. here's my ticket yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm like if i can impress people maybe i can Mm. maybe i can fit in somehow or Mm -hmm. maybe i have a place you know yeah um 
and I suppose, well, this is when we first met at uh, the Venerable Institution, St. Hilda's College. <laughs> <laughs> Venerable. Uh, one of the things I was impressed by you was there was this real, you know, bias to action in that, you know, you were mm-hmm. good at uni, you were play the saxophone in the in the band you know you you put together this amazing event you know the the that's still you know 20 years later is still um going on at the, at, at the college um and, and also like you you made a freaking whale for one of these you know, <laughs> college productions but but i suppose tying that back to what you just just described as um kind of impressing people by being good at stuff like all of the stuff that you did what what, if you recall what what gave you like true joy was it making stuff drawing stuff music you know there's i i you know there's that's a really good question and the words true joy are are very specific and i Mm -hmm. guess i want to separate that from say like satisfaction Mm -hmm. because satisfaction came with people being impressed Mm -hmm. and satisfaction came with me garnering respect of people for sure Mm -hmm. and um but true joy is different isn't it Mm. and and that's what i'm trying to get at yeah Yeah. true joy Mm -hmm. came with the making i think Mm -hmm. it's like the making the building the creating yeah Mm -hmm. That whale, that whale, that was just so much fun to make. Mm. Like we built a whale, yeah. Mm. And I was so I was unashamedly proud of it. It was it was a brilliant. Be- it was beautiful, yeah. yeah. And I just we dreamt it up, and I remember it was Catherine Aston Warner who helped me with that, and we mm. worked on it um, for days, mm. and we just had. A whale of a time. <laughs> nice, nicely hey, hey. done. We're going to edit that part. Yeah. <laughs> no, we we just had a good time yeah. to create. Just to create, to yeah. create is mm. definitely a joy for me. Yeah, mm. yeah. And also, I think you you always good at school, and you always good at um, in terms of you know doing really well in your in your studies. Did that was that did that come innately or was was there pressure from your parents to do well or was it uh i when i i don't think i'm naturally good at anything really Mm -hmm. i think i'm maybe lucky to have a lot of curiosity and um uh, and and a real drive to learn Mm -hmm. um and i I, and like I was saying before, like my parents definitely never, f- it, there was not, we didn't have a pressurized household, mm-hmm. not at all. Mm. It wasn't like that. Um, it was a supportive, wonderful home, you know, mm. the greatest gift that mm. a, anyone could get to start life with, honestly. Yeah. Um, and like that's, it's at the forefront of my mind actually at the moment because it's Mother's Day tomorrow. And so yes. thinking about that. Yeah. Um, and... So I don't, there was definitely no, there was never any pressure from Mm. my parents to Mm -hmm. perform highly. It came from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I think it was, and I think it, honestly, I think it was just that I've just got to, just, I've just got to keep impressing people. I've just Mm -hmm. got to keep 
like it just always seemed like um that that concept of social currency mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was it was just always the shortest route to that was to just be good at something mm-hmm. yeah mm. i don't i don't think it's particularly healthy like, yeah. <laughs> looking back on it like you know mm. but it's had some it had some downsides it also had some upsides like for sure yeah yeah Th- thinking back on that then you know you you i think you were one of the top students in your school and you know so on but what what were the downsides to that do you think well i derived my sense of value from my level of achievement mm-hmm. and made me extremely vulnerable to um a massive downer if I didn't get where I mm-hmm. wanted. Mm-hmm. If I wasn't the best, mm-hmm. like it's, and I just and it's I don't, to me just being that competitive. When I look at it now, it's kind of ugly, you know. Like mm-hmm. it's, I just not I'm not proud of it. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and yet I knew it was my best, my best shot at coping with the world at that time mm-hmm. yeah mm. that the world outside of my very wonderful home you know just mm-hmm. that world of chaos that was beyond the front door yeah yeah were there subjects at school that um to ask again that brought you joy that kind of made you want to do well in and art yeah art and writing mm-hmm. art and writing and there was something about um advanced mathematics that was mm-hmm. was cool like it wasn't the same as creating but it was like my god like there's this this is crazy mathematics that can be done that's mm-hmm. like and it's also nice how things fit together so cleanly in maths mm-hmm. like I, like I can't do math to save my life now, but when I was at school, I went through like I just, you know, advanced maths was the hardest class, so mm. obviously little Hayden had to do it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, so that's what I did, and yet, and I had this wonderful maths teacher, mm. this lady. She was just so um, uh, enthusiastic about maths. Mm-hmm. Just loved maths. and um and it was this and we it was like it was the it was like more serious maths like imaginary numbers and Mm -hmm. you know i I mean i i can't even remember all the concepts all the names of them now but like all that sort of stuff that like was just like what this is this is still maths and it's like almost on the verge of like kind of something that's not even real you know Mm. yeah well i suppose i suppose maths gives you a cleaner outcome than social dynamics i suppose you know and that's <laughs> my word <laughs> you know what yeah, subject yeah. i hated the most at school what lunchtime <laughs> serious yeah it's like step outside that classroom hmm. you're in the you're in the jungle yeah. like you know yeah. like how am i going to survive the next hour hmm. wow yeah. how did you survive I don't know. Like mm. I I like I I think I was very lucky. I was so lucky. And when I think back 
And I look back through, I went to three different schools mm. and each time I went to a school, somehow I would have some person who was, or maybe a couple who was a very special person and they befriended me. For some reason they were happy to be friends with me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, because <laughs> at the time, and I, at the time I didn't know why either. I just thought, oh God, mm. you know, I'm not an interesting person. Um, mm. You know, I, I didn't, yeah, I just didn't, re- I wasn't entirely sure why people would want to be friends with me at that time in my life. And mm. and yet I had this, I remember I was at, a, I was <clears throat> at an all boys school for a few years and I had this friend who was just respected by everyone, you know, mm. and he was, a friend of mine mm-hmm. and well, he considered me a friend and, it, and I was always just slightly surprised by that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I moved to this other school where I finished my schooling again, I remember a, a watershed moment, not many days or weeks after I'd started that school mm. when the kid who was the most popular kid in the whole school, mm-hmm. he seemed to give this signal to everyone else to say, he's okay, you know, mm-hmm. We're going to look after him, mm-hmm. you know? And it was, uh, I, I like, yeah. I, just, I, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, w- were, you, were you bullied at school? Yeah. Yeah, I was. Yeah, mm. uh, yeah I mean, in a, in a particular, there was a window mm-hmm. um, where I was, where there was a group of kids who... I was, you know, truly fearful of running into mm-hmm. at any moment. Like truly, literally worried that they might be behind the next corner if I walk past this point in the corridor mm-hmm. and what they'll say to me and how they make me feel. And mm-hmm. I don't think I was ever um, beaten up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I was physically bullied, but like... Yeah. Um, but it's the other type that I suppose lasts longer in a way or... It leaves a deeper mark probably in mm. some ways. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, and, and then I suppose as you start to finish up school and you're thinking about your career, how did you go about thinking about what to what to pursue? Um, well, the first factor was like, well, what's the hardest course to get into? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you this go. is how yeah. I used to think. Like, yeah. you know... And mm. what's, what garners the most respect? What's, you know, what, where, where do I get like the most accolades, you know, mm-hmm. like I sort of embarrassed to say it, but it's true. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, hands down, it's medicine, mm-hmm. you know, do medicine. Um, and there again, that decision came from you. There was no, no, I don't, no, no. I mean, I think my parents, and I'm kind of speculating on this now, I think they always would have wanted me to do, well, would have been proud of me to do medicine. And so I suspect that like there was that there in their minds. You Mm. never know how that manifests in the way that they, people speak to each other. You know, this stuff comes out in funny ways. Mm. I suspect it was there, Mm. but they would have supported me with whatever decision I had to make. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I suppose yeah, medicine might be you know the hardest course that garners the 
the most respect and so on. But but there are aspects to medicine that could really put people off, mm. like dealing with the human body, for example. D- did that factor into? No. Uh, <laughs> like, 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 like for me, not, not that I, you know, not that I could get in, but I'm extremely screaming. You could totally that. get in. You yeah. could get. You could do medicine now, Rahul, if you wanted to. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but but I am squeamish, and so mm. that's, psychiatrist. Yeah, maybe. yeah. <laughs> maybe this is a form of psychiatry for myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this podcast. Um, <laughs> So, so you had no issues with? with uh, no. no, weirdly, no, no. Mm. I never. I guess, it, I guess, it just no, just didn't have an issue, and so it doesn't even come into my head as a as a thing. I mean, mm. it's, there are parts of medi- medical training that are confronting. Mm-hmm. You know, you work. You one of the ways you learn anatomy is through um, dissecting ca- cadavers, mm. um, and so you're exposed to. To bodies um, uh, at a fairly early time, you know, mm-hmm. like you think about it, it's like, gosh, you know, um, what better way to traumatize a group of 18, 19 year old people, put them in a room with dead bodies and make them, you know, yeah. yeah, and but 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 it was such a because there's that, there's that, I don't know, there's that layer of. Um, separation mm-hmm. from, from yeah, you, you're learning. You're this is this is a this, this is a blood vessel. This is a mm-hmm. this is a yeah. Okay. This is a this is a muscle. This is mm-hmm. this is a heart. This is you know this is the liver. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, you, you I like I definitely remember thinking to myself and having thoughts around. This was a person. Like you know, mm. this was a person. Who had family, you know, and mm-hmm. having thoughts around that, but I guess I just had to kind of shift that out of the way because you just you probably can't really mm-hmm. very. I mean, it's so important that you respect, you know, respect what you're doing at that mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is hard. I mean, I'm not a surgeon. I can only imagine with surgeons mm-hmm. like to be confident enough to do that. You do have to have that degree of separation. Yeah. Um, as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, not just when you're learning on a cadaver. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so then you, to do medicine, you decide to move to Melbourne? Yes. Yeah. I, I suppose in, in a way, away from your safe harbor, which was yes. home. Yes. What was that like for you? Well, that's when you saved me, Rahul. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's when we met. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. Were you there when we when I first started? Were you there at the start of that no, first no, no. year? So I came in mid year. You came mid year of the first year. Of the first year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So like you came in that was that must have been hard because you came in after there were some ties established yeah, yeah, and yeah. and and also I think I had just come from India at the time, so St. Hilda's College, which was, I think, 99.9% country students from (laughs) country Victoria. (laughs) Farmers. Yeah, that's right. It was like being on Mars, which which I think I I look back on that time with just amazement and gratitude. And, you know, Mm. it was truly, for me, it was 
you know, a great couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, know. you made a splash. You made a splash <laughs> to begin with. It was like, oh, you know, who's this Rahul guy? Oh. Hmm. oh then you get up on stage and <laughs> what'd you do? Hound Dog? Was it? Which, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was. A it was Elvis. Elvis songs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that was all. That was all that was needed. <laughs> uh, but anyway, back to you. And I think so. Also, I suppose leaving, leaving your safe harbor, mm. and coming to a place like Saint Hilda's College, where different city. You know, everyone was a stranger. Yeah. Um, what what was what was going through your mind then? Oh, what was going through my mind? Yeah, I was I. It was the same thing. Like, hmm. I think I'd start. You know, I, for some time I'd started. You know, the fact is, lunchtime at school was my. It was my graded exposure mm-hmm. to socialization. Um, now that's not entirely true because like, for example, when we're growing up all through our childhood and our adolescence, we had close family friends and Mm. other kids that we would play with. And they were, we were close friends, you know, between families Mm. and that was cool. Like I didn't have a problem with that. It was Mm. odd that it was quite situational, this anxiety that I had. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but you know, I, for some reason, I just uh, just forced myself to 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 just get get out there and try and do something, mm. be social, or yeah, and uh, and I guess gradually I just managed to pick up a few little skills. Or I don't know what I know what you would call them. I didn't think of them that way. I just managed to get used to it a bit. Mm. People maybe just got used to me yeah. being weird. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I, I had, I had started to just break out of my shell a little bit at that stage, I think. Yeah. And the other thing that was odd, um, is that I, I enjoyed public speaking. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoyed performing in front mm-hmm. of people. And this is a weird thing. Yeah. You know, I I can't talk to a group of five people, but I can talk to a group of 200 people, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it was such an odd juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. And so I knew I could talk, you know, yeah. I knew I could talk. I just was just this situational thing would make me freeze. Mm-hmm. And every time, you know? And I think also it's a, um, it, it could be a common thing with, with introverts where it's, like, no one's either, you know, uh, it's not a black or white, you know, binary situation. Like, everyone's on a spectrum, I suppose. And maybe you're an introvert with this, a little bit of extroversion in you. Mm. Um, mm. And also, I, I suppose it's how you, where does your energy come from? Like, mm. like. For me, at times, it's you know, it's it's just being by myself, reading or mm. watching something. But but also, like I I do love running events and mm. talking to people and mm. doing doing this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love mo- I love I love meaningful conversations, mm-hmm. true engagements. You know. Mm. The things I've always found hard, and to be honest, still find hard, is more 
kind of superficial mm-hmm. things, you know, interactions. Yeah. Um, still find that difficult. I'm better than it used to be, but like, mm. yeah. Um, so where were we? What were we talking about? I've forgotten. So, so we were talking about, I think initially your time at college, but but I suppose juxtaposed with that, you were also at university and studying. Yeah. Studying medicine. Yeah, that's right. Like the the toughest course to get into, you know, crazy workloads. Um, yeah. Um, and maybe I'm projecting here, but but for me, you know, what for me to do my best work. I have to be passionate about what I'm doing. Mm. Uh, like I, I can't do something because it's um, extraneously imposed on me. You know, mm. e- even for uh, social gratification or whatever. And I think that's why you know my my university record is kind of up and downs. Like the mm. subjects I was really into, I did really well. Yep. The ones I wasn't into, I really struggled. Yeah. But. Uh, I suppose with you, you know, you you have this in you to to do well no matter what. Yeah. And how do you find that focus and how do you find that um I suppose drive within you? It's a bit of a mystery. Yeah. Like I like it honestly, but it it, it still comes back to hmm. how do I get people to like me? Hmm. That's it, you know? And I think hmm. if you we live in a social world, mm-hmm. Now I'm really lucky. I don't feel this way anymore. This is a diff. I look back on myself then, and I feel mm. just. I feel a little sad about it, you know. And um, mm. but I know that at that time I was like, I don't, I don't care. It's boring. Mm. I don't care. Like, if it's not that interesting, mm-hmm. what mark am I going to get? You know, mm-hmm. is it a high distinction or not? And mm-hmm. like, and that that's. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and what a shame. I don't mm. like, you know, uh, I could have been taking it a little bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but I think it's also served you really well in that, you know, you've... Um, yeah. Yeah. I do. I find myself now in this mm. place. It's delivered me to this place. Mm-hmm. and And I look back and think, Thank you, past self, for being mm. such a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I mm. wouldn't be here now if it wasn't for past self, you know, yeah. past self maniac. But mm. I don't... Uh, but at the same time, I do feel, you know, I just kind of feel a bit of compassion for that mm-hmm. guy, you know, who yeah. was just a bit lost. And I'm not saying I'm not lost now you know mm-hmm. maybe we're all a bit lost but like i don't feel like that anymore i, I feel like the grasp i have on the world is mm-hmm. more certain mm-hmm. you know um yeah but uh, yeah so i think the trap there is what um this writer you know david brooks calls the the, the second mountain where um Usually what, what happens is we get so caught up in success or, you know, what, what people expect of us or what society expect, expects of us or, or even what we expect of ourselves for the wrong reasons mm. that we climb the heights of this mountain, mm. then we reach the top and we think, uh, 
holy shit, this is the wrong mountain. I, uh, mm. I'm supposed to be climbing this mountain. Yeah. yeah. And that's what he calls the second mountain. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting concept, isn't it? Hmm. And I suppose that's the... Um, like being successful has its trappings, mm. but it'll, it can also lead you down a, a wrong path. In in a way, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. In a way, it definitely can. But also, you're always you're always where you are mm. with the next decision in front of you. Yeah, you know. And I guess where you are is the result of all your past decisions. Mm. But the next decision is a new one, mm. and I just. Um, Uh, yeah, I, I think there's, I think the trap, there is, a, maybe there's a bit of a trap in thinking about the second mountain as well. Mm. Like, why was it, why would it be any different to the first one, you know? Mm. And is any mountain, how, what, what, like, why any mountain, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, I, I think yeah. the, yeah, the, the, the second mountain is more about, um, and I'm not saying you're on any mountain, you know, this is just... <laughs> No, 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 man. This is just, um, I, I suppose, it, like a reflection I've had on, on my my own career. You know, like I, I, I did things for the wrong reasons, and mm. um, but the second mount is more about um, contribution. Okay. Yeah. In, yeah. In I that see. This is what I'm truly good at, and okay. this is what how I can contribute to someone else yeah rather than i see this is what's going to get me to uh, a few hundred thousand dollars a year i see yeah okay uh yeah mm. that's thanks that's a good nice clarification mm. yeah that that is congruent with a bit more well it's definitely congruent with how i think yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um and, and but but the thing about i suppose medicine is that um now you know you're, you're a doctor. You work in emergency, mm. and there's almost a direct view of the impact you're having. You know you almost <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah, in, in, or th maybe this is my imagine imaginings of of mm. what an emergency doctor is. But but you save lives, and you know you you see the. Yeah, I mean. I'll... Oh, I I used to have um, when I was a junior doctor, mm. I had I, one of my um, seniors mm. was a, a German doctor. He was hilarious, and um, you know every time uh, someone would ask him what he was up to today, mm. he'd be like saving lives. <laughs> <laughs> wow, just saving lives, <laughs> and. The reason why it was funny is because it is, it's a it's a funny phrase. Like, mm -hmm. what is what is what is it to save a life? Like, mm -hmm. and is that what we really do? I don't know. Like, like when I think about the when I think about the parts of my job where I feel like I've made the biggest, most important difference, it's more about when I've helped someone die well or. Um, 
or just relieved someone's suffering in some mm-hmm. way and just changed the expression on their face, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and sometimes it's just a word mm-hmm. or a look or a tone in your voice mm-hmm. and that's an, that's the difference. It's not like anything I learnt in medical school. Mm. Yeah. Wow, that's... Um, it, it's funny, eh? And... You know, just last night, I was watching this documentary on Oliver Sacks. Aye. Um, the, the, the neurologist. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that... It's, it's on, you know, SPS right now. If, but one of the things that kept coming up was how empathic he was. Like, how he would literally, yeah. like, spend time with... Like, hours and hours with... Well, I mean, he's... Yeah. He, he'll be... He's historically one of the great... People, yeah, yeah. you know, he's mm-hmm. like, and the books he's written are just true contributions to, to culture and history and medicine. Yeah. yeah. He's one of a kind. Yeah. yeah. But the reason I bring that up is, is, is more that, you know, reflection on what you said, uh, just about rather than, uh, I suppose, being a doctor is more about being an empath in, in some ways, just... Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's where people, whenever someone says thank you, mm. it's because of just how you've interacted with them, mm. how you've communicated with them. It's not to do with, like, yeah, I mean, you, someone comes in with a dislocated shoulder, mm-hmm. you put the shoulder back in, mm. they say thank you, yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> feels better, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. can move it again. Mm. Um but there's not that many problems in medicine that are like that, you know, that are just mm. like, oh, here, we'll fix that. Oops. Oh. Okay, my microphone just fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> All like that. Welcome to the On Meaningful yeah. Podcast. <laughs> <coughs> but, um, yes, I think that... Um, I think the way you communicate with someone is ultimately what leaves... The, the deepest impression yeah 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 yep and it's funny that just kind of reflecting on your past as an introvert where that was i suppose the toughest part for you yes <laughs> is now <laughs> the sp- irony yeah yeah <laughs> is now i suppose the best thing about you in maybe oh. yeah look yeah I, I thought you were gonna say something about my fashion sense or <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you but I'll take sharp, I'll take everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, d- I don't, I still don't think I'm um, a master of empathy by any stretch. You know, I, I slip up all the time. I make mistakes. I say the wrong thing. You know, um, but it is something that I've taken probably in many ways as my core focus mm-hmm. to be better at. You know, um, I could put it that way. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So maybe I suppose let's talk about the the entrepreneurial bug that's I suppose bitten you in a way. Like, um, what? Uh, when did your thinking start to shift? Do you think? Or so it's a good question. I, like, there's a lot tied in. I think because um, we're going through medical school. And then specialty training in emergency medicine, mm. 
Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It is pretty full on, and it's it's a lot of memorizing. It's a lot of regurgitating. Mm-hmm. Um, I like. I'm. I'm not blessed with a very good memory, mm-hmm. um, and one of the benefits of that has been that I need to understand things very well in order to retain them. So mm-hmm. that's been valuable, and also kind of enriches the experience of learning a little bit. So it, it wasn't. The reason I'm saying that is because it wasn't like I just remembered things verbatim all the way through training. Mm-hmm. I I tried to think of it as a way of gaining understanding of things, and that helped me uh, maintain my motivation and so on. I think, mm-hmm. um, but it's not a creative discipline, mm-hmm. not by any stretch. Mm-hmm. And um, I went through training. I'd got my exams. We we had kids. Um, my kids are seven and nine now. Mm-hmm. And about three years ago was the first year they both were in either sort of school or kinder. Mm. And when I had a day off during the week, there was like stretches of several minutes in a row <laughs> when I was in the house by myself, you know. Wow. <laughs> and what it was... Luxury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and I look around, I'm like, I'm going to do hmm. what am I going to do like I haven't this is oh you know yeah for me like time to myself is just the it's the it's so important like mm-hmm. and it's not like you know uh, family or kids or anything like they detract or anything it's just like they take up time and mm-hmm. like and then those blocks of time that would be nice to have to myself are not there mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they were Mm-hmm. And and I was like, okay, like, let's start doing something different, you know. Mm-hmm. Got my exams, good. You know, keep up my study, keep that up, fine. Mm. But what can I make, you know? Let's mm. start making again. Um, mm. And so I started doing some things outside of medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wrote a blog for like mm. three months. And I just... I think maybe seven people read it, like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but I called it the surviving winter blog for, mm-hmm. for emergency department. I just put it up on our little emergency department website mm-hmm. and I had one for each week. I was like, okay, good. I can do this for three months. Once a week, that's 12 posts. I'll do 12 posts and mm-hmm. I'll just do it through winter and maybe someone will read it and maybe someone will find it's useful or a little inspiring or maybe it'll just help them get through a tough day. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe not, but let's just start doing something, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I wrote that for three months and that was probably three years ago. Mm. And then I, um, you know, I had more opportunity to consume, you know, more podcasts and other things like that. And I mm-hmm. came across Seth Godin and then I came mm-hmm. across the alt MBA and then I thought, Oh, let's do the alt MBA. Mm-hmm. And so I did the alt MBA and that was at the beginning of last year. So mm-hmm. sort of a year and a half ago. And I met a bunch of people who, started businesses and mm-hmm. i was like oh what's what happens what do you mean start a business yeah. and <laughs> what's that all about yeah. how do you do that mm-hmm. and um i'm not just businesses but companies mm-hmm. and i was in a group with this guy um 
and he's just like, yeah, we started a company for that. And then we sold the company. And then we, we started mm. this business. We turned it into a company. And then we sold that. And we, we'd split this company off to this company and this company. Mm. And I was like, whoa. So you could just like totally just start a company. Just like mm. you could just do it, can't you? And he's like, mm. yeah, you, you can totally start a company. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so <coughs> I was like, hmm, interesting. Hmm. That sounds like fun. Maybe one day it would be good to try that. Mm. Um, and then I did a bunch of other things through the year. Um, and, um, I did this, uh, I, I decided I wanted to make a course. I wanted to make mm. an, a course that people would access online. There was a lot of good material that was taught face to face, but I felt like there was a lack of material that primed people for, for face to face learning. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, and the best, the best, um, format for that is going to be video. It's got to be video, mm. you know, just, mm keeps your attention something that's entertaining something that's mm -hmm. fun or even funny but still educational you know there's got to be something because i just there's nothing out there that's mm. that's that's um quenching my thirst at that at that level mm -hmm. so maybe i can learn how to do that mm. and so i actually had dinner with you mm -hmm. one night um in one of the little um in between lockdown windows mm -hmm. and i was on the train back to geelong and um, I, this ad came up on my phone and it was for this course called sell what, you know, mm -hmm. make an online course. Mm -hmm. I was like, dun, dun, dun. put my name in next day. Someone called me up. It was based in the UK. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Mm. Spoke to the person. I was like, let's do it. Sign up. Mm. And so I did it and it was, it turned out to be more of a, it, about marketing, mm -hmm. which Okay, you know, it wasn't exactly what I was thinking, but it was still very educational. Mm -hmm. I must admit that my perception of marketing and sales and all that sort of thing had probably been distorted. Yeah. Like yeah. I thought of it as some sort of Something slightly yeah. slimy kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> actually, it's fine, you know, yeah. people do it all the time. It's mm. actually a really important discipline. Mm -hmm. um, but I did learn how to make videos. Mm -hmm. And the way I learned that is that they made us make one video every day for 90 days in a row. Mm -hmm this 90 day video journal mm -hmm. and my first video was horrendous mm -hmm. and so was the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth the 30th was terrible the 40th was terrible the 50th 60th and i think i got to about 87 mm. and they were all terrible videos mm -hmm. and then something something clicked and i started appearing a little more natural when i spoke to the camera mm -hmm. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh, that's not as bad. That's not mm. as bad. And then 88 was a bit better. And I got to 90 and I was like, it's not as bad as it was before. Mm. I try a bit more. I do a bit, you know, play a bit with editing. Mm. And then I started making some videos specifically for a group that I was sort of training up in communication skills mm -hmm. for emergency medicine. Mm -hmm. And they seemed to find it helpful and then... You know, it seemed to then get a bit more broader appeal, mm -hmm. and um, and then it was picked up by a, you know a free online medical education website called Life in the Fast Lane, and they started putting it on their on their web page as a kind of vlog or um, you know weekly thing, mm -hmm. and uh, and then we started getting people calling up and you know contacting me and mm -hmm. saying. Oh, this looks interesting and oh we have this in common and mm. you know 
And just that was just the most wonderful thing, mm. to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Just the most wonderful thing. Mm. The first time I put one up on YouTube, it was like, I'm going to regret this. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. It, it's kind of a... It, it, it's it's a weird thing you know, even uh, yeah publishing still gives me the butterflies you know it's it's a <laughs> click that button yeah yeah just get it out there maybe no one will watch it yeah <laughs> maybe someone will watch it <laughs> <laughs> and it's like uh but then you get you know comments from strangers like you were saying and it's yeah hmm. Oh, from across the world and from across the world yeah. just lovely comments and people who i've who've said oh can we talk, meet up and talk do you want to meet on zoom and mm. just and and just wonderful people you know mm. um who i've met from other parts of the world i'm like what mm. really this is amazing you know mm. someone else is actually interested in this stuff mm. yeah it blew me away it was it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So, actually, did did uh, having kids make you think about your career differently? Uh, I I feel like um, at that time I prioritized my kids, like, mm-hmm. and with my wife, who's you know, a GP, we, we worked out how we were going to work out life around the kids. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, between when they were between the ages of zero and six or seven, mm. there wasn't a lot of, it was kind of a pause in life. It was, life was yeah. on hold for a mm. bit. Um, still went to work and, you know, did what I had to do, mm. um, things happening, but no, no big leaps forward in terms of growth or mm-hmm. um, career progression mm-hmm. from from my sense. I, I maybe want to take that back a little bit because the growth happened as a result of the kids and it was yeah, in yeah. a different domain, you know, yes, but it wasn't, yeah. but it wasn't career oriented, oriented yeah. growth. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I suppose with the question I'm trying to get at is that now you have kids and now that they look up to you, uh, do you want them to see you in a different light or or does that matter? Um, I just want uh, my kids to be um, uh, kind and um have integrity mm-hmm. and that's 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 the lens i look at it through and mm. um i don't i don't really think much about like how they see me mm-hmm. it's more um does this make them a better person or not mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah yeah um and so coming maybe full circle now to like what you do now is called the comms lab. Yeah. Um, 
talk a little bit about that like where were you at that what were you where are you with it now yeah so we so i started making these videos i mm. i I, I gathered a group, a small group of people, you know, mm. who I thought might be interested, mm. um, maybe like a couple of years ago, mm. maybe a little less than that, um, emergency physicians, mm. um, and we started working together to get everyone trained up to be able to deliver communication skills education. Mm -hmm. I've been doing it for a few years, like, mm -hmm. and it was mainly delivering workshops around how to talk to people about end of life issues mm -hmm. um uh and and also just and you know emotional de-escalation mm -hmm. use of empathy to connect things like that mm -hmm. um and so i wanted to it, it, you, can, you can learn these skills but to become someone who can teach those skills is kind of another mm -hmm. it's another level of um competence that you mm -hmm. need to get and so i was just keen to develop a group that could do this and then we could start training our our trainees in our emergency department and whoever else you know mm. um in these in these skills mm -hmm. and some people are just naturally really good at them many mm -hmm. people are mm. and and some people aren't and and also some people who are really good at them don't know what they're doing mm -hmm. and then they come up against difficulty when what they go to first doesn't work um, and so it's always useful to have extra tools in your toolbox around these kind of different skills. So that was the idea. That's the idea behind it. We were developing this group and then I was showing them the videos and they seemed to be finding them useful. Mm -hmm. um, the videos were getting a bit more broader attention. And then we got, um, uh, I, I, I started sort of having some ideas with a friend of mine who's an intensive care doctor mm -hmm. about, you know, what can we do with this, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and we would throw ideas around and we uh, we actually got a bunch of guys together mm -hmm. um, who I'd met on the Alt-MBA earlier last year. Mm -hmm. And we had like a engineer and we had a, um, a guy who was a restaurateur mm -hmm. and a guy who was um, into IT. Mm -hmm. And... And we were like, "Hey, do you want to do you want to pilot a program with us? Will you be mm -hmm. our guinea pigs?" And so mm -hmm. we 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 put on a couple of workshops for them with specific problems to their work, and we developed some material around that, and got some good feedback. And we were like, "Okay, well, there's proof of concept here. This is mm -hmm. something that we can apply in lots of different areas." So what do we want to do with that? And then we all got very busy. The mm -hmm. Delta wave happened. Mm -hmm. He was busy looking after people in intensive care. I was mm -hmm. busy looking after people in the emergency department. And it all just sort of fell away. Mm -hmm. And then around Christmas time, we had someone contact us saying from the um, College of Urology and we um, got a call of interest saying, you know, can we, can you put on something for our, for our trainees? Mm -hmm. um, it's becoming, we're recognizing more and more that communication is more important, which is great. Mm -hmm. If it's being recognized at the college level. Um, would you be happy to do something for that? And so we were like, yeah, great. Okay. Mm. And so we, we thought, well, how are we going to do this? You know, we've got the skills, we know how to do it, mm. but we like, how do we, um, charge them money? Yeah. <laughs> you know, how does make that work? Out of it. How do we make a business out of it? Get, get those slimy scale sales yeah, that's skills. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember mm. calling you actually, I remember mm. asking your advice mm. and we talked through quite a bit, a few different things mm -hmm. and, um, 
and then so then we then we just we talked to the other chaps accountants and mm. we created he said oh yeah well probably the best way is just start a company mm. and i had flashback to that other guy in the old mba is like yeah we just start a company and yeah, i was like yeah. well, let's just start a company <laughs> so um mm. so that's what we did and um <coughs> put on this workshop mm. um went well and mm. you know and we got we got paid for for our work and that's you a know, good feeling yeah that was cool like it's yeah. not like no one's getting rich. I, yeah, like, yeah, you know, it's but yeah. it's, but it's like, we received money. We employed people to help deliver this workshop, and then we were able to distribute the money to the people who worked, and it all worked, and it was mm. cool, and we created something from nothing, mm. and and it was received well, mm. and seemed to fill a gap that needed filling. Mm. So I was like, oh, well, that's that seems to have worked out okay, mm. and then we're just getting bits and pieces, people coming and asking. For this or that and you know just just we have like honestly the biggest thing for us right now is like how do we not get overwhelmed mm -hmm. you know what do we want to do we we still want to be doctors you know mm -hmm. so we want to mm -hmm. like we, we like our jobs like mm -hmm. for all of the stuff i've already said about just working my ass off because like it was the only thing i knew how to do yeah actually yeah. I actually really like being a doctor yeah. <laughs> as it mm. turns out mm. it's a, it's a great job mm. um but you know i also have this this side that you're just alluding to this entrepreneurial mm. thing which is like oh it's exciting it's new it's like creating mm. something it's that's that side that's that was asleep for so long that i yeah. want to sort of keep going yeah so we're just trying to work out the balance there and how that's going to look i think also to, to bring this full circle it's um Uh, like like this podcast is about meaningful work and, and you know the, the more I talk to people like one of the commonalities it's it's how they go back to their childhood you know and, mm. and it, it what brings them either what brings them joy when they were kids mm. or uh, it's kind of in a way that they're solving a problem for themselves back when they were kids yeah wow and which is what you're doing, like you're creating, which really brought you joy, and yeah. you're helping people be more. Sure, you don't want to be a psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the beer. I, yeah. just, I just need a pipe, I think. <laughs> but you know, you are helping people have better conversations or be better uh, or more empathetic conversations, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That is mm. the idea. Mm. I think that that's what the world needs. You know, mm. I think we should be able to talk about ideas you know yeah. without getting down each other's throats mm. and and also i think this is it's a funny time we're living in in that mm. um and i've written about this and and it's kind of reflecting of uh, what i think naval ravikant calls we're living in the age of leverage mm. in that you know you could run your course for 20 people in a room mm. but then you put your thing on youtube or one of these platforms mm. And then the sky's the limit. Mm. Yeah. 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 It's 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 true. I love mm. Naval Ravikant. I yeah. I love that. I love that essay you wrote with him about him as well. Yeah. He's just such a clean thinker. Yep. It's mm. amazing how well he just distills things down. Mm. And it's true. We're in the age of leverage. Mm. Um. Yeah. And so and so if we're in the age of leverage, then surely 
we should be doing all we can to make sure good ideas mm-hmm. spread. Mm-hmm. That's, it's the good ideas that are leveraged. Yeah. And, and because, because the definition of what a good idea is, is so subjective, mm-hmm. then maybe the best idea is learning how to talk about ideas, you know, mm. without getting, with an open mind, you know. Yeah. To have real important, serious conversations without hurting each other's feelings. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And also, I think, um, like you said, you know, like it took you 90 videos to to see some improvement. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think to really make use of this age of leverage is you have to enjoy the process. Yeah. Because if you don't enjoy the process, if you're doing it for some extraneous reason or, mm. or you're doing it for uh, something that's not coming from you, coming from what you value and what you're good at. Yeah. You know, you, you would get bored or burn out or one of those things, you know? Yeah. I agree. Mm. I agree. Yes. I, I'd like, yeah. Uh, it's slightly embarrassing to admit this, but I actually crack myself up watching my own videos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I feel hilarious. I watch it, I yeah. think, oh, that's quite funny, you know? And, uh, you know, you involve, you know, you involve your kids, you involve your dog. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. It's so much fun. I didn't, it's like I didn't have a lot of fun in my life, you know, for mm. many years. It wasn't, I, was thought, I always thought, I'll be good at stuff, fun's for other people. Like, you know, mm. and now I feel like fun's it's important to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, and, you know, like take Seth Gordon. Like he's, he has one of the most popular blogs in the world, but he's mm. writing every day for the last almost 20 years. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, and also maybe to, how are we going on time? Let me just check the, wow. It's been an hour already. Um, how do you think about work now? Like, what what does work mean to you? The other day, someone asked me what retirement meant to me. Mm-hmm. And I said, retirement is when you get to spend your time how you want to spend your time. Mm-hmm. And if I think about my life now, like... I. I guess I wish there was eight or nine days in a week rather than just seven. Hmm. But the way that I get to divide my week up, it's pretty good. Like I Hmm. feel very fortunate. Like Hmm. I think, gosh, you know, I have this position. I have this role as someone who does my best to help people. Like, Hmm. um, I get to teach. Um, I get to interact with hundreds of people. You know, hmm. which, I mean, if <laughs> if you if you told me that was what I'd be doing, you know, twenty years ago, hmm. I would have just thought, "Kill me now!" <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> yeah. But um, hide under the duna. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, um, hmm. but you know, I, I it's pretty. I it's like it's pretty good. It's like hmm. wow, I get I get to do all these cool things, and I'm. Um, 
and I'm I'm compensated well. Like mm. I don't have to worry too much about money. You know, mm. it's like it's, it's that's always it's a, good, a very fortunate yeah. position. I like I just I'm I, yeah. I'm very grateful. Very, mm. I feel very lucky. Can I also just maybe reflecting on what you're embarking on now? Like you were someone who really shied away from failure, mm. and I suppose <laughs> the path you're on now mm. is that's part and parcel, really. Totally. How, yeah. how are you dealing with that? I, I, um, so, yeah. It's a good question. I'm mm. trying to... I have a different relationship with failure now and I'm trying mm. to work out when that happened and how it happened. And I'm struggling to think of that. Mm -hmm. um, I think it probably has something to do with all the meditation I've done over mm -hmm. the years. Like, I wonder if it's something to do with that. Mm -hmm. But in any case, I mean, you, for example, I made that video about... Jocko Willink. Yes. Um, yeah. you know, Great video. A yeah. few, few weeks back. Mm. So thank you. That's really kind mm. of you to say, mm. except that wasn't the opinion that I got back from a lot of people. Really? A lot of people. Yeah. And that's why I'm... That's why I'm, And a lot of people were like... Um, yeah, they, they, were, they, they considered it to be a real bad decision. And that's... Do you mind if you talk, talk about that? Sure, sure. So the reason I love that video was mm. because, and we, we'll, we'll link, link to it, mm. but it was because you were positively bouncing out of your seat yeah. because that content would, Jocko Willink, uh, just quickly, he's a Navy SEAL who now, ex-Navy SEAL who now kind of runs a podcast, is, you know, coaches on leadership and so on. Yes, yeah. Uh, and, a, and, a, and an amazing author. Yeah. And an amazing intellect, yes, I would say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, he's one of the... He's kind of like a warrior philosopher, almost. Yes, you know? very good way of characterizing him. Yeah. 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 Uh, but anyway, so he... This video is about him giving a speech to a few cadets and, mm. and you analyzing that speech. And mm. what I loved about it was I could see how much joy that brought to you. Yeah. And you were positively bouncing off your seat. Yeah, passion when you were talking about this video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I loved making it. Yeah. So, yeah. what uh, what did people say? Like, why was it a mistake? Um, I think it's to do with their perceptions of Jocko. Okay, I mean, yeah. like, oh, maybe, yeah, okay. You know, I guess. You, I mean, I've I have read all of his books mm. i have listened to his podcast um i've watched interviews i mean i would say the interview between tim ferris and jocko willink is mm. one of the greatest interviews of all time mm -hmm. um it is that was probably his first it, his it was, first public interview yeah. it was you're absolutely yeah. right yeah mm. and it was the most intense engagement interaction i've ever heard i think mm. you know just unbelievable mm. level of focus and emotion and and just just his uh grasp of language and and communication mm -hmm. and i think that when people saw that video who didn't know about jocko mm -hmm. they saw a enormous man extremely muscular and large essentially yelling at 
um, at a group of soldiers in 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 camo, hmm. all holding rifles. Um, and it's, it was interesting to to read the responses and. I was incredibly grateful for the people who wrote back to me because mm. I specifically asked feedback for feedback on that video mm. because it was something different to what I'd done, mm. completely different. And I, I actually, I almost begged for feedback. I sent mm. it out and I said, please tell me what you think. Mm. Good, bad. Tell me why. Everything. Tell me mm. everything. And people would write, people spent time writing long passages of, of, mm. of feedback. To it. I'm just so grateful that people considered it worthy of their time to 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 do that for me Hmm. but some of it was just was was that they thought was a bad idea Hmm. and they they, and i guess it is the fact that i've never met jocko and there are many things about what he says that i disagree with Mm -hmm. but that doesn't take away from the fact that there's enormous amount we can learn from this man Mm um and and i saw all that and that's what was making me excited and keen to just draw the juice out of this of this piece of footage to mm-hmm. to just to learn from it mm. and i think some people were worried that i was um supportive of 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 war mm-hmm. for example or being a soldier mm-hmm. even though i said in the video that i personally find war abhorrent you know Mm -hmm. um but that there was something implicit about that potentially Mm -hmm. um and other people questioned who was my audience you know Mm -hmm. who was i speaking to Mm -hmm. which was interesting because for me it was like okay let's experiment with not having an audience let's experiment Mm. with just being Mm. me in front of a camera Mm -hmm. you know and see what happens Mm. um and and I guess when you do that, you have to expect not everyone's gonna like you. You mm. know, not everyone's gonna react positively. Mm. That you know what this reminds me of. Tell me, Bob Dylan. <laughs> 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 you weren't expecting that, were you? But no, but, I definitely was not. <laughs> um, but okay, so Bob Dylan was the greatest focusing on the world yeah but there was this instance at this historic instance at the newport jazz festival yeah where he plugs in an electric guitar and then he has a rock and roll band backing him mm-hmm. and people lost their shit they thought he was you know judas he was you know betraying the folk cause and they booed him pretty much booed him off the stage you know the stories of uh, Pete Seeger, who was like the the godfather of folk, with an axe trying to cut the cables, you know. <laughs> and wherever he went, he got booed because he was playing rock and roll music. Really? But I was listening to an interview with Robbie Robertson, who was his guitarist in the band. Yeah. Robbie was saying, like, when they heard the playback of those concerts, they're like, holy shit, we sound really good. <laughs> And yeah. sure, people were booing him, but they were yeah. turning up to his concerts. And then over time, those boos turned to cheers. Yeah. And I think what I take from that story is mm. it really comes from you. Like if you don't find joy and passion in what you're doing. Yeah. 
And maybe, you know, at those concerts, there were maybe three people who were cheering loudly amidst all those booze. Maybe. Yeah, and yeah, those yeah. three people that really counted. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've got to respect that, don't you? You've mm. got to respect someone who's prepared to change direction. It's it's so funny. It's like there's that balance of like mm. considering your audience. And this is even in one-on-one interactions. This is mm-hmm. even like every interaction I have with a patient even. It's like, what does the patient need from me? Mm-hmm. And what do I need to express, mm-hmm. you know? What are the two, these are the two sides. What does the patient need from me? And what do I need to tell them, mm-hmm. you know? And it's the same with any conversation in many ways. How do I express myself? And then how do I be what this other person needs me to be, mm. you know? Um, that balance is just, it's everywhere. Mm. It's very, it's everywhere more than one human is, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but I think especially in, I suppose, an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial venture, it's a combination of both. It's a combination mm. of your vision yeah, and what you can do for the other person. It is, that is it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's like, um, you know, Frank Gehry, you know, the famous architect, when he was designing buildings, he would first present to his clients what he calls a Shrek model. And it's just like this crazy model of his vision. Mm. And he'd show that to the clients and clients would go, what the hell is this? It's just a blob, you yeah. know? <laughs> But then he'd work together with them and then reach a, a midpoint. Of, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But there's something about setting that that, vision. that wide anchor, isn't yeah, there? Yeah. Like to bring it back from the extreme as opposed mm. to starting from conservative. Um, because one, one story he says is that he was commissioned to design a mental hospital and he sat in you know a few of the sessions just to get a feel of what was going on. Mm. And... Then he asked one of the patients in one of those sessions, what would you like in a room? Like, what, what would be the best design room? What, what does that mean for you? And she started going into this really intricate detail of what the room would look like, mm. down to the design of the wallpaper, to the door handles. Mm. And he's like, this is amazing. But then he looked around and he saw that she was describing the room <laughs> they were in. <laughs> so, so, it, so the point of that is, yeah, if... People really don't know what they don't know. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. The vision, you, vision has to come from you. You got to break them out. Mm. Yeah. And some people don't want to be broken out. And some people are going to leave. Some people are going to get off the train, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. They're going to get off the train. They're like, you know what? Turns out I don't want to go to this destination. Um, yeah. yeah. And I guess you have to find a way to be okay with that, don't you? Mm. I love that. Um, that principle of Naval Ravikant's um, because he talks about productizing yourself. Yes. He's like, he's Mm. like, there's only one you. Mm. There's only one person in the world who can do what you do in the special combination and the permutations that you do it. Mm -hmm. And there's a market for that. Yes. Yeah. Um, And so you've, Find that in you and find the market. And mm-hmm. then what is he? He has a special name for market fit or something like Product that. Product market fit. Product market fit. Yeah. So I don't know whether, yeah. But well, some, some, yeah something like that. There's yeah. some term he has for it, but it's yeah. like the, the point is that like there's only one you. Hmm. There's only one person who can create what you can create. Or, or even um, another 
controversial figure, but someone we've spoken about is Scott Adams. You know the yes, creator, controversial, but yes, yeah, <laughs> creator of Dilbert. Yeah, uh, what he says is that we all might not be perfect at one thing, but we are mediocre at heaps of things. Yeah. So find a way to combine your mediocrities. Yes. And then create a category of you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, skill stacking, doesn't he call it skill yeah. stacking? And he's like, um, I was I was okay at drawing, but not great. Go. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of funny. Yeah, not great. Hmm. I've worked in a few office environments, but not many. Hmm. <laughs> which is what which Dilbert. is what Dilbert is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Hidden. Um, this is usually the last question. Um, but maybe you've answered it. I mean, if you haven't, I'd love to hear your thoughts. What does the term meaningful work mean to you? Um, so many, so this is the most embarrassing thing because I knew you were going to ask me this question. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I still haven't come up with a good answer. So maybe I'll just think out loud a little bit. Sure. Um, I think uh, me meaning so hard, isn't it? Because... We don't know if it's real or not. Hmm. Um, and even if it's not real, does that mean it doesn't matter? It probably still, maybe it still matters anyway, you know? Mm. And so even if we build our own meaning, that's that might be okay. Hmm. Um, and and I think if, if, if I get to go to work and I get to interact with people with the intention of being of assistance with the intention of alleviating some suffering or helping them with something that's pretty awesome hmm. um if i get to go to work and i have the opportunity to grow i think that's pretty awesome hmm. and if i go to work and i have the opportunity to be accepted as i am i think that's pretty awesome as well hmm. and that's that's probably enough i think hmm. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? I don't think so. Mm. It's been, feels like we're just at the pub. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> this has been great. Time has just flown. But, um, yeah. but no, I, I think I really want to thank you, mate. Like, I think firstly for me, at the time I met you, I was like, you know, just pretty much fresh off the boat and you were one of my closest friends there so firstly thank you for welcoming me welcoming me at that really initial stage uh but also for being my friend for the last 25 years which is crazy and and also you know i've learned heaps from you i've really look up to you um yeah so thank you for that well it's mutual mate i mean mm. wh whether you realize it or not you getting off the boat was one of the best things that happened to me mm. like back then i hope I hope some of the stuff we've spoken about now brings that into focus. Hmm. It was uh, it was harrowing, you know, at times. And so having um, someone like yourself in my life at that time was important. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad you're still around. <laughs> yeah. We can still catch up. No, for sure. Yeah. I haven't left yet. <laughs> uh, all right, mate. Thanks heaps for this. Thanks for making the time. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you're enjoying and are learning from this podcast, please subscribe on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. A great zero-cost way to support us is to leave a review 
on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you are feeling extra generous, it would be great if you could leave a comment or feedback on our Apple Podcast or YouTube pages. Or you could email your comments and feedback to me directly at rahul at disruptivebusinessnetwork.com. That's R-A-H-U-L at disruptivebusinessnetwork, all one word, dot com. Finally, a big shout out to our producer, Dan Scahill, for his work on the keys and to Vashti Civil for writing the original music for our theme. Until next time, this is your host, Rahul Sohn, signing off. Bye.